Welcome into the Legends Rewind Podcast. I'm Rusty Ellis, joined today by Upper Cumberland legend, legendary coach, Michael Dodgen. Coach, I appreciate you sitting down with me today. Uh, no problem. Thank you for having me. So, Coach, I'm going to ask you a hard one to start off. So, what's your earliest memory of basketball? Uh, my earliest <laughs> memory that I can recollect would be back in 1982 when I was able to go with my dad uh, to the TWSAA State Tournament. He was the coach at McMean County High School, and I was in kindergarten, and he qualified for the state tournament. At that time, it was played at Vanderbilt, Mm -hmm. and he uh, took his team from McMean County to the state tournament. They drew Memphis Melrose, which was uh, probably, I think they were one of the top 25 teams in the country at the time and had three seven-footers, and his tallest player was 6'3". <laughs> and uh, needless to say, they got beat 40, but <laughs> they being were able down. to be on the floor with him, it, and I just – that's a memory that kind of stuck with me and seeing how that community of Athens kind of backed him throughout that entire process was, was a great time. So one thing that I know that's been important to you, because obviously you've coached, your do- you've coached a daughter, I'm sure you've got another one that's coming up soon, um, how, how important through not just coaching but your entire basketball, the entire time you've been around basketball, how important has family been to you? Uh, it's 100%. Uh, I, my dad, uh, he was started out at McMean County High School, and uh, always we were always included, me and then my two younger sisters, no matter where he was at. And my mom was the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of nights where when, when my dad moved to Tennessee Wesleyan and, and coached there for a while, uh, that she would, we'd leave school at three o'clock, mm-hmm. and wherever he played, we drove as a family to watch him play. And we did a lot of homework in cars. We used a lot of flashlights in cars, <laughs> and you know. And and on the sec, on the other hand of that, my dad always included us in with his team stuff. Mm-hmm. So seeing that and developing your family around that is just something that stuck with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even with my family, with Beth and and then Gracie and Addison, and Addison's now playing at the middle school, you just always try to include your family and everything because you're involved so much Mm -hmm. with the game of basketball that your family has to be involved with it for it to be a successful combination. As a coach, how much influence did your dad have on you, the way he coached, the way he ran programs? How much influence do you think he had on you? A hundred percent. I mean, I I wouldn't have the opportunities that I had in front of me if it wasn't for him um, and for my mom for allowing me to go and do things with my dad and, you know, being able to meet the people that, that he's met and be around the people that I've been around because of that. And, you know, and, and, and my sisters both played at high-level AAU programs, mm-hmm. so I was able to be, travel and be around them, and that's where I interacted for the first time with Coach Berkey and Coach mm-hmm. Ensel and those guys was through the AAU circuit. Mm-hmm. So it kind of built relationships based on what I was allowed to do that my family did. You know, my dad coached for over 30-something years and was at you know numerous places, met numerous people, and, and those are connections that you know, I can never give back. You know, he, he coached a guy at Tennessee Wesleyan that played for the Harlem Globetrotters and Paul Gaffney. And, and being able to have that type of relationship with a guy that I still talk to today mm-hmm. and his relationship with the Globetrotters was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, and it, it's provided so many things. And, you know, my dad always did things the old school but the right <laughs> way. Mm-hmm. And, and 
you know, that's, those are things that you take away from what he did and, and just learn and build off of stuff that you create. And, you know, it provided me the opportunities that I have today. You know, Coach, I talk to – when you talk to as many coaches as I have, a lot of them say the same thing, that one of the biggest parts of coaching is relationship building. It sounds like you'd say the same thing. It's 100%. It's the networking part. I mean, you know, nobody – anything that I do, I, I didn't design. <laughs> I borrowed it from someone else or saw it from someone else and taken things away. And the opportunities that, you know, I have in the summer with, with travel ball and, and meeting the people that I've met, it, it – you know, there were people that I've met over the last 10 to 15 years working with Tom Insel and, and those guys that allowed me to take our basketball team two years ago to Portland, Oregon, because mm-hmm. it was just the networking of who we met through Nike and people like that that allowed those opportunities. And no matter what profession you're in, whether it's teaching, whether it's communications, you're always looking to network with somebody that, you know, hopefully you get that big break with and, and that's what everybody's here for is to get that next big break. And, you know, it, I was allowed to do things, you know, and a lot of it started when I was at Tennessee Tech with Coach Worrell. And Coach Worrell gave me a fantastic opportunity at Tech to be around his program. And you, you meet all kinds of coaches with the way that he traveled and the teams that he played. And, you know, some of those people today I still interact with, some of them I still talk to today. And, you know, it, it, those type of relationships are ones that you just never forget. Looking at all of the, the people you would call mentors in your life, what are some of the biggest takeaways, some of the biggest lessons you feel like you learned from those people? Well, you got to learn a lot to treat people with a lot of respect, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're coaching girls basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you want them treated the way that you feel like they need to be treated, and, you know, you hope you do that every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess one of the biggest things with Coach World was – where he traveled and took players to go play. And I've kind of tried to do that ever since I've been a head coach. Um, you know, even when I was at Smith County, we, we went to places more local, but we had opportunities when I was at Cannon County to travel to Florida, to Washington, D.C. And then we brought that here and the administration here at YK has allowed us to travel and do that stuff too. And, you know, you just got to always, you know, you got to respect the game. And that was the one thing I guess that I learned from Coach World the most and, and then being around Coach Rick Hensel um, during the summers when I was around him, just learning about how many people come back and see you, how many, you know, of your alumni and people like that. And, and that's the same thing that it is at the high school level too. Mm-hmm. So uh, this, this question might seem kind of backwards considering I think we've talked about it to this point. When did you know you wanted to be a coach? Uh <laughs> you know, it, probably when I started playing in high school. Okay. Uh, when I played for my dad in high school and and I was his point guard and, and kind of developed that mentality and that trust with him. And when I walked, left Gatlinburg-Pittman from playing, I really, truly, and honestly wanted to go into communications and go into sports broadcasting is what I really, really wanted to do. Uh, and then I had the dream that I wanted to work at ESPN and everything else. And then I got involved with some travel basketball with the Tennessee Stars at the time, mm-hmm. which was ran by Lynn Berkey um, out of East Tennessee. And I, I think they let me hang around because my middle sister was really good. <laughs> and I think they let me hang around and let me uh, coach some travel teams just so she would stay. 
Um, and then I got involved with Tennessee Flight and things like that. But uh, just coaching is just not something that you pick up to do. you got to really have a love and have a knack for it because it's very stressful. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very stressful yep. and the ups and downs. And, and you, the ups and downs are weekly. And, you know, seeing my dad go through what he went through and being around it, it was just something that I wanted to do and that I learned to do. And and just interacting with him has probably been the best part of it. So, I mean, I don't know if there's anybody in this area that doesn't know that you call games for us now. But that, that does a lot to explain kind of where your interest from that came from. Um, what 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 else interested you about the field of communications when you initially thought of that? You talk about the dream at ESPN, and for every every sports journalist coming up through college, it feels like that's the dream. What was that about? What interested you in that? I, I think it was at that time, ESPN was really the only thing mm-hmm. back when I was growing up that covered sports, mm-hmm. and occasionally you had the NBA game on at three o'clock in the afternoon, and. You know, and if you were fortunate enough to have WGN or TBS, you got to watch the Cubs and Braves play. Mm-hmm. And seeing that stuff and being around sports, uh, you know, I, I'm a basketball coach and I love basketball. But truly and honestly, I, I loved baseball. I, I really enjoyed playing baseball when I was younger. And, mm-hmm. and people will find this hard to believe. Back when I was in high school and I, and I was a lot skinnier than I am now, <laughs> I ran track and cross country. So I did a lot of stuff in the sports world that really ignited my, I guess, a passion to to be a sports reporter. And I, and I really, really wanted to be a part of like college college basketball games when mm-hmm. I was younger. And and I would find myself, I guess, when I was younger, I would pretend that I was doing that while the game was on. And mm-hmm. you know, it was one of those things when I got to college. Um, it was my initial major when I got to college, and, and that lasted about two weeks. And <laughs> I think I, I changed my major about four or five times. But I just really, once I got involved with the coaching basketball part, it kind of just took it over. So let's talk about your career, how you you know, how you know eventually ended up here at White County. Mm-hmm. What all led to that? And, and talk about just your career as a whole so far. Well, of course, I played all through high, uh, elementary school, middle school, and high school. I played at Gallenberg-Pittman in high school for my dad. And... Um, we moved there when I was a sophomore in high school from Athens and, uh, then I went to Tennessee tech and had a great opportunity put in front of me in my first year there. I worked for coach Harrell and the men's staff and that summer coach world contacted me and asked me if I wanted to move over to the girls Mm -hmm. and gave me kind of a little bit bigger role than what I was doing with the guys. And. Um, I was, you know, basically a, a student assistant mm-hmm. and was in charge of film exchange and things like that. And so I got involved with coaching from that aspect. And, and like I said, I did some summer AAU stuff with mm-hmm. uh, Coach Berkey and his bunch and then later on with Coach Hensel. My first official coaching job was at Whittle Springs Middle School, mm-hmm. which is in Knoxville. Okay. And that fed into Fulton and Austin East. And uh Really, to be honest, I really enjoyed the fact of, of working with guys. The only year I've ever coached guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I had a really good basketball team. And some of those young men that I coached then, I still communicate with today because they were um, – it, it turned into I was almost a father figure to those guys because mm-hmm. some of them didn't have fathers at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and an opportunity came open. Coach World called me. It was the middle of April, mm-hmm. and Coach World called me 
and uh, said, hey, uh, Jimmy Maynard's going to give you a phone call. And at the time, I, I didn't know who Jimmy Maynard was. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, I said, okay, who's Jimmy Maynard? And, and he said, he's the principal at Smith County. Their girls' jobs just came open, and he's going to give you a call. And uh, so Coach Maynard called me. I went and met with Coach Maynard and, and the principals there at uh, Smith County, and I took that job. And to say that that job was a rebuilding project was probably very kind words. It was as a first-year high school head coach, and I was going up against uh, Jim Brown at Jackson County, mm-hmm. Dana McWilliams at Upperman when Upperman was dominant too. Then you had Leslie Riddle. It was Leslie Smith at the time, Leslie Riddle at Livingston. You had three of the top programs in the in the state. And at the time, Jackson County was one of the top programs in the nation. Yeah. And uh, to say as a 24-year-old guy that was really excited you got humbled really really quick Uh, you know I I learned an extremely valuable life lesson from Jim Brown and and whether he listens to this or not he uh, I I was this guy that I thought I was going to be smart and Jim Brown was really nice to me because I think he was going to play in the tournament of champions at Shelbyville Mm. the next night on Saturday we played him on Friday night in Gainesboro and uh he got up big on a, his, he was up about 30 in the first half and, mm-hmm. and we came out at halftime and, and he benched his starters mm-hmm. and because they had a big game the next night and mm-hmm. that game was done. And, and I got this wise idea that I was going to press Jim Brown and, you know, he never said a word to me for the first two games that we played after that. And we upset Canning County, my first year at Smith County in the first round of the district tournament. And I played him here at White County high school. And, uh, he beat me 81 to 29. I'll never forget it. And, he, and his first butt stayed in for a lot of the game. And after the game, you know, Jim told me, he said, Coach, don't don't ever press with starters. Don't ever press with your starters with my young kids. And that's something that, you know, as a young coach, I was like, gotcha. And it's something I stayed with. And, you know, I, I was there for two more years. And uh, then I, the job came up in Cannon County. I went to Cannon County. First two years there were – a little rough, mm-hmm. uh, and then we got going. And then for the next eight years, um, we were one of the top teams in Double A. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and there for two years, we were ranked number one in the state for a little bit, and fell short in the state tournament a couple times. We were fortunate enough to go four times, and mm-hmm. you know, really enjoyed my time there. And and uh, in all honesty, nothing ever really made me leave there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this job at White County came open. It allowed me to get closer to home with with what my wife does with work. And Gracie was getting ready to get into middle school and start Mm -hmm. playing at that level. And as a dad, take the coaching hat off. As a dad, I I really didn't enjoy waking up at 6.30 and the kids were still in bed and then getting home at sometimes 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, and they were in bed too. Mm -hmm. And, And going back to the family thing, they weren't even getting to watch our games because of the travel. And so I made a a decision that I felt like needed to be made for our family. This job came open. Uh, Coach Haley had decided to get an administration and uh, I called Mr. Swallows at the time and came and interviewed. And two days later, you know, I was named the head coach here after I interviewed and wouldn't change anything on that ever because, uh, you know, it allowed me not only to get to Coach Gracie, because in all honesty, 
the crazy thing about it is I don't think Gracie would have went with me to Canning County. She probably went to Baxter and I had to play against her. Um, that would have been fun. Yeah, that would have been a lot of fun. Um, but uh, it allowed me to have the opportunity to coach Gracie and to be around Addison more and watch her grow and develop too. So one thing you said that just always sticks out to me, especially when I look at the greater part of this area, the uh, the level of coaching in this area, it feels like it's second to none. You just mentioned Jim Brown, Leslie Riddle, uh, Dana McWilliams. But now, I mean, you're going up against people, you know, Jamie Gillis at Cookville and Mike Buck at Stone Memorial. And, you know, you guys have played York and Michael Green. You've played against Lamar Rogers at Clark Range before. Talk about the coaching in this area and how – there's there's seriously no off nights when you play a lot of games in this area. Well, th- there's really not. And the thing about it is in the Upper Cumberland, basketball is so strong. Mm-hmm. It's so – and especially – I mean, the guy's side, Upper Cumberland basketball is extremely rich. The girl side, it, it's, it's bar none. Mm-hmm. And it's been that way since the 60s. And, you know, you take York Institute, you take all the teams that they've had, Clark Range, all the teams that they've had – you know, Cannon County was a power. Livingston was a national power for a long time. You know, Upperman's been that way. And, you know, I, I think a lot of it goes back to so many of the people that are coaching in this area also played at those schools. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of pride in what they do mm-hmm. to keep that tradition carried on. And, you know, you, you can't compare what you have to go up against. It, it's not comparable anywhere in the state. This area is as, as good as anywhere else when it comes to coaches, you know, in the Upper Cumberland of, of not only coaching at a high level, but strategizing at a high level. And, and it's carried over. I mean, you know, one name that, you know, you didn't mention there, but, you know, a lot that I learned a lot from was Mindy Odom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mindy was one of those that you went up against Mindy and, and I went up against her a lot in her latter part of her career. But in her early career, I went up against her about two or three times. She was the team that when you called out an offense, her entire team knew what you were doing. And that was just the way that that she game planned. Her entire team knew what you were going to do. And and the same thing, you know, when you go up against Livingston or or Upperman or, you know, you got Larry White at Macon County. Everybody in this area does a good job and, and one that, I think's done a phenomenal job the last couple of years and even got to the state tournament is Danny Fish at DeKalb County. Yeah. And, you know, everybody in this area does a job that their community should be proud of. So one player I've never asked you about, but knowing that you coached her at Cannon County because I saw her play at MTSU, was Abby Sism. What was she like as a player in high school, and how hard did she work to get to where she got to? Um, Abby was one of those special kids that you only get to coach every so often. Um, she worked extremely hard. Now, on the flip side of that, her sister, Emily, played for me, and her and Abby got to play together Abby's freshman year, Emily's senior year. They both had the same work ethics. They lived in the gym. Mm -hmm. They bypassed a lot of things Mm -hmm. that normal high school kids do because they stayed in the gym constantly. And Abby was one of those kids that I knew Abby was going to be good, and then the first game of the year, me being a crazy young high school coach at the time, we scheduled two games in one day for a Hall of Fame game. And we played uh, Tullahoma, and that year Tullahoma was really, really good. And uh, we played Ray County mm-hmm. in the same day. And uh, 
she had 27 against Tullahoma, and if I'm not mistaken, she had 31 against Ray County as a in her debut. And it may not have been that, but it was somewhere in that ballpark. And, you know, I've got people coming up and saying, Coach, she's not a freshman. Yes, she really is a freshman. <laughs> um, she was just that gritty, hard-nosed kid, and, 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 you know, she had a great career and scored over 2,400 points and finished second. In all-time scoring at, at, at Cannon County behind Julie Pyle, and nobody will ever break Julie's record at Cannon. It was twenty-eight hundred, something like that. Um, but Abby is is one of those kids that you just, as a coach, you feel everybody's had them. Mm-hmm. You know, Coach Mitchell's had Grant Slatton. Uh, you got Tyreek Key that used to play at Clay County. Everybody's had that phenomenal player that comes through every once in a while, and Abby was one of those kids. So when you mentioned, you know, at a young age when you were able to go to, you know, the state tournament with your father, when did you start to incorporate Gracie a little bit into that and to kind of include her in, you know, whether as an equipment person, as the ball kid, when did you start to do that? Um, As young as I could. I I think we took, I think Gracie's first state tournament, she went when she was three. Wow. Um, The only, and I, I can go back to this, my dad always took us, my mom and dad always took us to the boys' state tournament at the time. Uh, we didn't really go to the girls' state tournament until my sisters started getting a little older and they mm-hmm. played. But we never missed, a, we only missed one state tournament with my family that I recollect, and that was the year of the um, uh, blizzard, I think the 92 or okay. whatever. Uh, we lived in Gatlinburg and couldn't get out. Mm-hmm. And so that's the only state tournament that I've ever missed mm-hmm. due to uh, you know weather or whatever. Um, I even got to go to the one this year with COVID-related, but we won't talk about that. Uh, but I incorporated Gracie at a young age. I, I think one of Gracie's, and I think she said it when she sat down and talked to you, one of her biggest memories was the year that the first time I went to the state tournament, which was in 2010, mm-hmm. I let her sit on the bench with us. Um, and, and she just engulfed it. And she did that. Same thing I did with Addison. Now, Addison and Gracie sat there and watched the game. Addison got me in a little bit of trouble in 2015. <laughs> um, we're in the middle of the timeout, and the referee comes over to my bench and tells me that my bench has been warned. And I turned around and looked at my two assistants, and I said, did one of y'all say anything? And the referee said, no, it's that girl right there, which was Addison, who was five <laughs> at the time. And at the time, she had both of her thumbs pointing down to the ground telling the official that he had done a bad job. Um, so Addison got incorporated early on at the state tournament. She never did that again. <laughs> no, she didn't, but I don't know where she learned that from, either that she would ever yell at a referee. Um, but I've always tried to include my kids in everything. And, and I've had players ever since Gracie was younger and at Cannon County and Addison here at White County and even early on at Cannon County that always embraced my kids too mm-hmm. and treated them just like one of their own. And, mm-hmm. and when you have that, that means a lot, not only as a dad, but as a coach, because they're learning from kids that you want them to look up to. And, and that's all you can ask for. Does that make the experience of coaching more rewarding when your team accepts your family and they, those two worlds kind of combine like that? Absolutely, because, you know, everybody's not always going to agree with what you do. You know, they're, they're, you're going to have critics, whether it's good or whether it's bad, from the coaching standpoint. And you know, when when kids and and and, they, and I'll say even parents. I mean, the parents that I've always had have always been nice to my kids, away from the away from the gym, in the gym, whatever it may be. You know, when they when they embrace your family in, 
it makes it so much easier and it makes it enjoyable where you're coaching at. And, you know, you, you never know how long you're ever going to be at a place. You know, I, you, you just never know what comes open and, uh, or what comes up with that situation. But, you know, any time, whether it was at Cannon County, Smith County, or even here, that's never been an issue and it makes coaching a lot easier. So obviously, there's no there's no secrets here about what I'm about to ask you about. Obviously, you got to coach Gracie here, just like your dad got to coach you. Uh, what were some of the highlights of that? I know there were I know there were probably hard times as well, where you know you had to separate being coach from being dad. But but talk about that experience. Um, I think the negative, the only negative that I have with, with coaching Gracie for the four years that I did here was that I didn't sit back and enjoy it enough. Um, I didn't take into the fact of, because I was always in coach mode, that she really did have a special career. Mm -hmm. And she had a special career shooting-wise, she had a special career scoring-wise, and she got a lot of accolades because of it. And she wouldn't have been able to do that without her teammates. And, you know, I think she's she's expressed that a lot. Um, the thing about Gracie, you know, Abby was probably the best player that I've ever coached. Gracie's right up there. Mm -hmm. Um, Gracie was probably one of the most clutch players that I ever coached. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think her junior year, she won six or seven ball games with a shot at the buzzer. Mm -hmm. I know she had a big one last year here against Stone at the buzzer. Um, I, I think every time her number was called, mm -hmm. uh, she she performed and, and did that. And those were one of those things that, that that's not a coach, that's the kid. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just her mentality and, you know, you can't, I, I'm not going to take credit for all of it because she had some great coaches when she was growing up. You know, Randall Phillips did a good job with her early, early on. She played with Dana McWilliams in the mm -hmm. summer quite a bit, and, and Dana was really good to Gracie and really helped Gracie on a lot of different things. And then Gracie's summer travel coaches, you know, she had Corey Barrett, Tom Ensel, you know, those guys really, really pushed her off and on the floor to be as good as she could be. And I think that that really propelled her because she went and played travel ball and was never the marquee. She had to work and get everything. And that, I feel like, made her better in high school. And just being able to watch her, and I guess the biggest thing was when she went down the summer of her sophomore year, we were at MTSU, and she went in for a breakaway layup and got fouled and, and landed on her kneecap. And then ultimately ended up blowing her ACL. Mm -hmm. I never saw a kid that worked as hard as she did. And there's kids that work hard all the time when they get hurt. But mm -hmm. seeing it firsthand, one-on-one, -on -one, worked how, how hard she worked to get back as early as she did. I mean, she she was cleared in four months. And I, I'll never, I took her to the doctor in October before our first game in November, and the doctor had told her, um, you know, we're not going to clear you till December. And she sat in the car on her way back, and she probably killed me for saying this, but she yeah. sat in the car and she cried. Mm -hmm. And she told me, she said, Dad, he's wrong. I'm ready. Mm -hmm. And so I made a phone call the next day, and I talked to the doctor, and he wanted to see her again in two weeks. And he advised against it. But he said, you know, if she thinks she's ready, I'll put her in a brace and she can go. And... We did. She didn't practice the first week, full contact. Mm -hmm. Came back the second week and played. We didn't let her do any scrimmages, and and she played in the first game here that year. We brought her off the bench against Siegel. <laughs> Lo and behold, they always say after you take the first hit, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. Lo and behold, 
first play, mm -hmm. she goes in to get a rebound and ends up tripping, and a girl lands right on her knee. Mm -hmm. Of course, I, my heart kind of sunk a little bit, and her mom was sitting about three rows behind me. I know her heart sunk a little bit, but, you know, she got back up, and we never had another issue after that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she, she had about uh, playing at White County – she had a lot of success because of her teammates. Mm -hmm. And she was able to do something in becoming the all-time leading scorer here oh, and accomplish that over a lot of great players that have played in this program way before her. Mm -hmm. And that that's something that at the time, you know, she she's going to be able to hold on to and, and cherish. And, and that's something as a family that you can cherish. But she had a great career, and I'm just – happy to be a small part of it is there a clutch shot of hers because you mentioned she had a lot of them especially the last two years she really had a lot of them is there one that sticks out in your mind the most i feel like i have an idea of which one you're going to say but i want to hear when when you're going to say the, the district tournament game here yep. against stone <laughs> uh the, the the one that she banked in um to put it into overtime uh the, the thing that probably goes unmentioned the most is the screen yeah. julia julia it was just a handoff, mm -hmm. and Julia set a great pin reverse screen that gave Gracie that one dribble to get it off, and, you know, that was a big one um, of, of all. I think the second one would have to be against Stone this year, yeah. the one that she hit there that won the game because she came off the double screen there. But one of the bigger ones that I think a lot of people forget about, there's actually two. She hit one in Oregon. Yeah. Uh, we were down, I think, 20 going into the fourth, and she had a shot to put it into overtime. And then against Coffee County here. I remember that. That uh, was the one in the corner. The one in the corner, and, and she hit that one. So she, those are four. Probably the biggest one, though, was probably uh, the one against Stone her junior year going in. And, and that kind of propelled us a little bit because uh, we, we had struggled. And she hit that shot there, and then that was a big one for her. And, you know, like I said, anytime we called her number in a late game situation, she she always provided it for us. So I have to ask, what's it like seeing her now get ready for a Division One season at the collegiate level? Well, I think it's it's gratifying as a dad because I know that's something that she's wanted to do since she was little. Mm -hmm. She wanted to play at a high level, and everybody, when they're little, wants to play at UConn <laughs> and Tennessee and all these other places, and, and not saying that wasn't one of Gracie's goals, but Gracie, when she grew up around Abby, and, and I, she idolized Abby. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, when we played on the road, she wore Abby's home jersey. When we <laughs> played at home and she could come to the game, she wore Abby's road jersey. Mm -hmm. She idolized Abby. And when Abby went to middle, um, I'll never forget, we took Gracie on her unofficial to middle. And uh, they, you know, do the whole ordeal. They showed her around. Of course, she'd been there millions of times through team camp with me and we got in the car and coach Ensel and, and his staff had offered her and and you know she looked at me and she said i'm done and i said are you sure and she goes i'm 100 percent sure i'm done and that was you know before sophomore year even started uh watching her grow i saw a lot of it this summer just in the way that her body's changed i mean we can lift weights here at the high school level and every high school coach can lift weights as much as they want to when they get on a college weightlifting program, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's ups and downs. There, she's going to have a lot of ups and a lot of downs at the college level. 
because now you're you're an 18 year old playing against you know now 24 and 25 year olds yeah and it just the maturity of the game and i'm excited for i mean the number one thing is she's getting an education Mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing uh the basketball secondary but but it's a job (laughs) um you know she'll call and tell us how tired they are and how much they've worked and I mean, it's a job for her, and, and I'm I'm happy that she's getting to experience that at a high level. So the way I like to end all of these is just you know give some advice to younger to kids that maybe want to be where you are one day, coaching at a, at a good high school program, or uh, and give some advice to them, and then give some what's some advice also that you would say to your younger self uh, as far as where how to get where you are. Um, advice for younger kids. I mean, if you, if you've got a passion. You need to go get it, whether it's coaching, whether it's banking, whatever it may be. If you've got a passion for what you want to do, you got to hold strong with your passion. And, and you can't ever let an obstacle block you or deter you from doing what you want to do. You know, everybody always talks about to become a head coach. You know, the biggest thing you probably get in interviews a lot of times is you don't have enough experience. Well, when you find somebody that gives you that experience, that chance to build your experience, you get you don't ever forget those people, and, and I'll be honest with you. To this day, anytime I see Coach Maynard, I tell him thank you, because mm-hmm. Coach Maynard gave a 23 year old guy an opportunity to coach at a high school level in the best district in the state of Tennessee, and no matter. And, and I'll always be grateful to Coach Maynard. On the other hand, I'll always be grateful to Coach World because he gave me the first opportunity yeah. to sit on the bench of a Division One basketball team mm-hmm. and to really see if that's what I really wanted to do. And so for younger kids, the networking part is the biggest thing. If you want to get into coaching, get into coaching. Mm-hmm. Stick with it and, and stay true to yourself. My younger self, <laughs> um, probably find a profession that's a lot more money. Uh, <laughs> no, um, enjoy it mm-hmm. because it goes by so fast. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of coaches, myself included, you become so much into that win-win-win mentality that I think sometimes you forget to sit back and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like I said with Coach and Gracie, I didn't enjoy every moment because I was in coach mode all the time. Mm-hmm. And I find myself now enjoying things that I did back in the past a lot more than what I did when I first did them. So you, you got to enjoy things because you, you don't ever take anything for granted. I mean, you know I, – I, I go back to with my mom when she passed away. I never took for, I, I never thought that would happen, mm-hmm. and, and it did. And I kind of took everything for granted, and that puts everything in perspective. Mm-hmm. And you know, just being around, absorb as much as you can when you're around people that are a high level, mm-hmm. and and those are nuggets that you always have to take away when you're dealing with coaching because mm-hmm. there's always somebody that's better than you. There's always somebody that you admire and so as a younger self get around those people more often and put those people in your life more often wise wise words that is white county coach and upper cumberland legend michael dodgen